I'm still not happy with it. I think something's no, wrong no. with the microphone. I, it's, I think it's better than it was. Yeah, it's better than it was, but I I have a I have a theory. Mm. I, yes. So 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 my so my theory is this. Theory theory of the microphone. Theory of the microphone. So so I um I th- this goes back to uh something I did uh, a while ago. I you know, I like to take walks. <laughs> okay. Uh-huh. Sure. Um, I, don't we all? I mean, that's we, yeah. I, I yeah, and I like to take walks more now than I than I ever used to. Um, oh, okay. It, yeah, it's is, a nice. And I was thinking this this morning. Is it, is I walked, it, you think it's because you're getting old, or like, probably? What's, what's yeah. The, what's the uh, what's the motivating factor behind liking walks more? I well, so I I had a um, I had like a, a a minute of reflection this morning. In fact, mm-hmm. when I was walking from my office, which is now located in a in in a heavily um uh, urban part of of uh raleigh where i was before was was urban industrial so now mm. i can i can walk and i, I we, we've talked about this in previous shows i can walk outside of my my door and in 20 seconds i can get to five different restaurants like right across the the street right. um and and i can walk to my favorite coffee place and I, i'll give a shout out to them again jabala and john michael who's my my buddy from jabala um they they're they're very close by they're near the um the uh bell tower the nc state bell tower mm-hmm. um and and i i had this moment of reflection where i remember going to graduate school at the university of guelph and having to walk from my building the plant sciences building to the university center to get a coffee and it was probably uh 150 maybe 200 yards and I hated that walk. I never wanted to leave my building. Like, I, I don't know if it was cold. I don't know if I didn't like walking. I'm not sure. But but this morning, oh, sorry, when I was can going- I can I can I just interject here? Yes. I also have memories of walking at Guelph. Yes. Um, from when I visited you when you were a graduate student. Um, and we had to park, I think it pretty far away. Yeah. My recollection yes. is there was a I I don't remember the specific memory, but there's memories of me having to do quite a bit of walking at Guelph. Um, I think because you were relegated to graduate student parking and we had a yes. long way to walk. <laughs> well, and and probably that's why I didn't like walking, right? Like yeah, I I, yeah. I had to walk. I, I was walking out of necessity, not out of um out of want or sure. need. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Walking, not not out of want. Um, so, uh, yeah. So anyway, oh, now, oh yeah, my microphone's still good. Um, um, so, so anyway, this morning I was going for this walk. Uh, I started walking a lot, uh, more, um, I don't know, like I purposely walking, you know, taking, taking an hour, um, maybe walking on a phone call, maybe on a zoom. Um, mm-hmm. and, and so this, this, well, I'm going to, I'm going to circle back to my, uh, not, to but my not mind. on this podcast. You don't walk on this no. podcast. I've never walked on this podcast, but <laughs> one thing I'm also concerned about, because, you know, I, I'm, I, I would say that I'm somewhat risk averse. Um, I'm concerned about exposing my, my skin to a lot of sun. So mm-hmm. I, I carry spray sunscreen <sighs> in my car. Okay, sure. Okay. So I, um, and I'm not proud of this, but but I'm going to tell you the story, and I've not shared this with anyone, so it's just you, me, and the listeners oh, right now. Oh man, okay. yeah. So 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 I uh, was going for a walk uh, earlier this this spring. Um, I went outside, and I spray 
I spray my sun my my sunscreen. I like the spray stuff. I don't like the rub-in stuff. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I spray on my arms. Um, I spray it like on my neck, on my forehead, and I give a little a little spritz on the top of my hair because sure. I've got some. I'm balding, right? Like I, I've got. I, I understand. Yeah. I wasn't going to say yeah. anything, but yes, this is true. Yeah, <clears throat> right. And and it's not something that like I'm I'm not I'm not shying away from it, but I do want to protect the top of my head. Sure. So sure. yeah. So I have my AirPods in, and I spritzed my head, and I I sent a whole bunch of sunscreen inside of one of my AirPods. Okay. And, and all of the noise canceling stopped on that AirPod, like immediately. So, so then huh. I took it to, yeah, so I took it to Apple and I said, um, my noise canceling stopped. <laughs> and they <laughs> said, uh, no, I did not. I did not. And they said, oh, okay. What did, let, let's check. They didn't even ask me why. And it was only right. one AirPod, but I know right. it was the AirPod that I sprayed with the sunscreen. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, so I went, um, and, uh, they, they let me, it was not, it was out of warranty, but they're like, you know, this, this shouldn't happen. It shouldn't just stop. And I said, no, it shouldn't. It it (laughs) is working just fine. (laughs) It was working just fine. Um, and then they exchanged that, that AirPod. And then I was back in business. Um, my, my, and, and I'll tell you that, that they got a little bit of sunscreen for free. (laughs) They got a little bit of sunscreen for free. That all happened in in the course from from sunscreen spray to walk to airpod exchange this is a, a little over 2 hours because i i had a like a personal meltdown of like oh my gosh i my my airpod stopped working i need my noise canceling and it wasn't it actually wasn't the noise canceling that bothered me the, the most it was the transparency mode stopped mm-hmm. and this is where why I think my microphone might be might be um, in a in a bind. You sprayed so, it with uh, sunscreen. I didn't spray it with sunscreen, but I think I think that there's a, there's a cleaning crew that'll come through the offices. I think they oh, spray somebody stuff. clean your microphone. I don't know how to fix that now. So mm. so I don't know for sure that that's the case, but I hear the difference, and I know I, I sound a little bit better, but it did sound muffled, and so I have another microphone that has not been sprayed at home. And I'm going to try our next, our next show to see why well, I, I don't even need to wait, to wait to our next show. I'm going to test the audio tomorrow Yeah. Um, with that other microphone, but I do, I do hear a difference and I apologize to the, to the listeners. And I, I know for sure I have not sprayed something, but it would not surprise me if, if a, like a really awesome cleaning crew was like, Hey, that's something that I should clean. And then they, they might've sprayed it with something and cleaned it. So yeah, it, but it does sound yeah. better right now than when we in the yes. first uh, very short recording. So, um, it, and it does it does seem to be sensitive to where you are, where like where your mouth is relative to the microphone. But I've noticed that before as well. Um, yeah, and yeah. I will sh- I will share also. It was not a uh, it was not a um, microphone related thing, but at our old house we did have um, a service that would come in periodically and do cleaning uh and we just we canceled it because they just weren't doing a great job i mean they're doing the best they could but yeah at one point somebody came in and sprayed something on my computer monitor and yeah. i'm like never again are you to Please ever do spray that. anything on my computer monitor. you're trying to help i know but yeah this is a sensitive piece of thing. I didn't I this is I'm just me talking to you now and the listeners yeah. not to the cleaning crew but like n- just no no spray 
no spray the monitor. No um, spray, Jerry. Bad. Yeah. No, <laughs> no spray, Jerry. <laughs> no sp- <laughs> uh, yeah. And but but this it is like it's a delicate um, thing to approach, right? Because you're right. Yeah. This is th- these are like these are folks that that are trying to help and they're doing an awesome job and everything is really, really clean. And so I think how if, if this yeah. is the case, I think one, and I've seen the I've seen some spraying happening. Right. Oh, yeah. Like so. But it would not surprise me that that is immediately went, went through my mind. I was like, oh, this yep. sounds sounds like there might have been some 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 compound that's now on my yep. that that's dried there. Similar to my um, I don't know what happened with my AirPod um, situation. No, I, no, I don't. We'll I don't know. We'll never know. We'll never know. We'll never know. We'll never know. Said, I, I asked them to send it back to, to Apple to see if they could help the next person. Um, right. Uh, so no, so, but I think the mitigation step here that I'll have to do, which is not, is not difficult. Um, I, I will just remove the, um, microphone, microphone at the end of recording. I'll put it in my, in my drawer. Right. So, yep. so cause they're not going to spray in a drawer. Like, like no. that's, that, <laughs> no, that's a little that, weird. That's a little weird. Um, okay. So couple, couple of things I'd like to highlight sure. uh, for you today. So I, um, and this is, uh, this is on my list of things that I wanted to talk about, but it's going to impact our, our, um, our timing today. A little okay. Bit. I, I need to leave a little bit early, um, mm-hmm. to go to, uh, NACMIF, which, uh, nice. I've already shared with you that yeah. I'm very, very excited. Like I'm, I, I'm excited I, for you. Like, yeah. So this is the, um, uh, uh NACMIF, the, National advisor, I got to get that thing right, right? If I'm going to be on it, you got to know, you got to know, you know what it stands for. for. Yeah. Yeah. It is the National Advisory Committee on Microbial Microbiological Criteria for Foods. And it's uh, an advisory group that is convened, has been convened um, really for quite, quite some time, decades. Um, and it, it advises both uh, USDA and FDA on uh, questions that are that that they um, that they have, and they they utilize this panel to help write um, uh, reports that will you know potentially lead to uh, different uh, policy decisions. And I have been so I so I, I have to leave a little bit early because the the NACMIF plenary meeting. So you you have been a member of NACMIF on on a couple of occasions, I, at least one. I have. Right? Yep. Yeah. I, yeah. I've helped to write a couple of different documents. I've been on. Now, I think. I think the rule was you could serve two terms and then you had to be off. Um. But then you can rotate back on. And I. I just haven't been. I've just been too too busy to to come back and to try again. And I'm like, it's it's good for old people like me to leave room for young people to come in and do do stuff. But yeah, I, the, most famously, I think uh, I was on the national. Uh, the NACMIF uh, that wrote the challenge study document uh, with a bunch of co-authors, including Kathy Glass and Linda Harris, which spawned the whole challenge study workshop that we did for IAFP. And uh, yeah, but very fond memories of being on a NACMIF. And and, uh, this was pre uh, the invention of Zoom. And so we did a lot of in-person meetings, but, uh, but yeah, so, so plenary uh, is where the whole committee gathers to be um, uh, planned, to be, to be informed of the big, big, the big issues uh before you break into your committees to do the actual work yes yes and that meeting so so as and and this is um it it, it's a it's a public meeting uh and so are the subcommittee meetings um and so when they when they did these in in person 
you know, you'd show up into a room. It would have been very difficult for us to record our podcast um, there because I would have had to been in a room uh, in DC mm. today. Um, yes. And, and, but this, this first meeting is, is all virtual, um, but I need to log on. It, it is, uh, it, um, and this is not me saying this, Don, but it, I have received an email that says this is very important that I log on early um, to this. And the meeting starts at 10 a.m., it, it has been advised that I join by uh, 9.45 a.m. So I just wanted to give you a, a heads up that okay. I have a little bit oh, about. Yeah, yeah, we got we got lots of time um, uh, for this. But but a, a couple of like I, I'm going to give a shout out to some about, like I'm very excited for this. So um, Betty Fang, who who I've, I've collaborated with uh, and talked about here on our podcast, who's a professor at Purdue, um, is is on uh, NACMIF. Uh, Dr. Randy Warbo, um, our our I mean our, our beverage guy, right? Like I would say, deep beverage from uh, from uh, Food Safety Talk. We've never had him on, but we have definitely asked him lots of questions. Um, he'll he'll be there. Abby Snyder from Cornell, Dr. Abby, Abigail Snyder, um, uh, Eric Mormon, uh, who was here at NC State and is now at Butterball. Um, uh, I'm just picking, I'm not going to say everybody's oh, wow. name. So it's yeah. a who's, this is a who's who. We got Ari Havilar, we got Janelle Eric, Kaus, we got Ronnie yeah. Coxar, uh, we got Indue Mello, uh, Katie Rose McCullough. Yeah, um, yeah. Max Toplinski. Max Toplinski, who's uh, who I, I wanted to make sure we give a shout out because he is a listener and does contribute to uh, um, uh, Risky or Not. Uh, and also, we've uh, we, I, I believe we've critiqued uh, his kitchen uh, in one of our episodes. Uh, so yeah, I'm a, I'm Ben Warren, who who we know from yeah. uh, Conference for Food Protection. Um, yeah, so it's it's a this is going to be I think it's going to be fun. Um, I'm excited to be to be part of this, but I just wanted to give them give you the oh, heads up that I've got a hard out. I just the more I look, the more I see. Yeah, yeah. Janelle Krause. I know virtually almost everybody here. On yes. This list, so. Yep. Yep. Vic Dutta and the one and uh, the ones I don't know, I'd like to meet. So yeah. you'd love to. Yeah, you'd love to be. Yeah. So uh, Anna Carlson, who I've I've known for quite some time, uh, uh, as well. So yeah, I'm I'm real excited about it. Um, and and I like Donna. I tried not to get, um. I don't know. I try not to get super excited about different things uh, in, you know, like, um, yeah, I don't know. You do, you do some like public facing stuff, whether it's, uh, you know, news related things or, you know, documentaries. This is one I have, I really had this circled in my, my career as a, as a goal. Like I would like to serve on NACMIF. And so I'm like, today's a, today's a real fun day for me. Like I'm, I'm in, I'm all in. Um, I'm excited for it. And, and so it sounds like I'll be working on a, um, a, uh, a question that FDA has, uh, has posed related to powdered infant formula and, and chronobacter. And, um, one of the sub questions is, is related to messaging to consumers on handling products, powdered infant formula products in their home, which is something that I'm like, I could not have could, I'm very excited. Like it's, it's one of my, um, uh, one, one of the areas that I'm I, I've talked a lot about in the last uh, year as we've seen uh, uh, chronobacter issues and it's something that I'm 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 I am dialed in on today so I'm very excited 
Well, I, I will say, you know, like like so many things, it's like uh, like when you get the grant, right? The yes. best time when you get the grant is when you <laughs> heard you got the grant and you haven't started doing the work. The best time to be on NACMIF is when you've been appointed to NACMIF, but you haven't actually been assigned a duty yet because uh, once that happens, um, it'll be terrible because you have to work with people and people are awful. <laughs> True. Oh, I thought I see now. I thought what you were going to say is because you have to do the work and work is. Oh, is, yeah. Well, it, no, work I, yeah. is work. I mean, work, work is, is hard. Work. work is hard, but it's the people that make it difficult. Man. This is true. This is true. <laughs> all um, those wonderful people whose names we just read off all have different opinions and they all want to be heard. And they, but, yes. Yeah. yeah. So, so anyway, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm excited to do that today uh, and, or start the process today, not just today. And so yes. today, our, this week's meeting is, is, is uh, Tuesday through Thursday. And then uh, I believe we get together in DC sometime in the early spring. Um, but yeah, it's, it, this is, it's very cool. And it's, it's like, I, and you know, this is me, you know, you know, me, I know about the outputs of NACMIF, right? I'm very familiar with what NAC, NACMIF has done uh over the years um the lots of different questions the outputs the the those the reports the responses have been um you know they're they're they are instrumental in in shaping what we do how the industry responds to things but also the policy aspect of uh you know of food safety what i'm not familiar with at all is how it all works like i've done very i've done very little investigation of that i know i'm showing up for a meeting um, and then we've, we've gone through an orientation. So now I understand a little bit more about the process, but you would think that, but before you sign up to do something, you would, maybe you would investigate the process a little more. I, I just did not. And so, uh, so now I'm learning as we go and it's like, oh, this is a public meeting. And, oh, oh, we're, we've got subcommittees and, and the, how does, how does this all work? So I'm, I'm, I feel like I've got my. I understand a little bit more, but, but like many things, I'm just going to show up and try to learn as like, as we go along, as opposed to being prepared uh, prior to. Well, um, well there's so. not, <clears throat> here's the thing, Ben, you've, it's kind of like, you've really been preparing your whole life mm. for this, right? This is true. So, um, so really all you really have to do at this point is show up. Right. And they'll give right. you the, the, they'll give you the charge and then you'll break into subcommittees and then you'll start working on the charge. And uh, yeah, at that point, you you know how to do that. You know how to work with other people. You know how to write as a group. You know how to write individually. You know how to look up stuff in the literature. Yeah, so there'll be some, and there'll probably be subcommittees of the subcommittee, and you know, and, and ways of divvying up the work. And it'll be it'll it'll be fun. And and yeah, this will be a this will be. And what I predicted, this is going to be a great meeting because everybody's still going to be like you know like high oh, yeah. on the idea of being on NACMIF. Um, and and it's that in in person meeting that'll be in the spring that'll be grueling because you will have to show up for that meeting, and some people will have done their homework and some people will not. Um, and then you have to work together as a group. So yeah, I. I hope i've done my homework by then I, yeah, I, well it's fine Either it's way, aspirational it's, fine. it's aspirational at this <laughs> point yeah uh so um yeah so anyway i've got uh, i wanted to give you the heads up on that um yeah. so so i got you know you know it's it's my show you're the other the other one's your show um this one <laughs> this one's mine and uh i uh i've got a bunch of stuff so so let me let me run yeah, down because i because i put a few things in the dropbox but i didn't oh. see anything from you but no. but that's not your way I don't do that. I uh, I walked to get my coffee. I, I I did not spray suntan or not suntan sunscreen on my on my AirPods, uh, uh -huh. and then I and then I put some stuff um, in 
in my um in my Dropbox, uh, not my Dropbox, in my in my drafts. And so so here here let me let me run down some stuff of what I've been doing. Sure. Um uh, last week I went to nine distilleries. <laughs> <laughs> um Don, I so so this this is like a fascinating world. Um, so I, I have some, I have some friends that are really into bourbon. I say that mm. because I thought that I liked bourbon and I thought like I knew a little bit about it. Oh no. Oh no, Don. My, my friends are, are very, they know, they know about um, releases. They know what they're called. They know who the distillers, what the, who the distillers are, like what their names are. They know the history of the the distilling world in Louisville, Kentucky. Um, that you know they're they're excited when when you know I I, I got excited too. Like I I was swept up in into their excitement. But I again, just like Nakmiff, I did not do my homework. I got in a car and drove eight and a half hours to Louisville, Kentucky, thinking. I'm going to go hang out and drink some bourbon. And what I got was nine tours of distilleries. Um, and, and then I, then, then my, my microbiologist in my internal microbiologist, it came out um, a, a little bit. So, so I want it, like, I know you, you were, you, you kind of, I would say indirectly introduced me to bourbon um, as a, as a, as a drink. Uh, because you, you kind of got that, that became one of your, your drinks of, um, choice, uh, what, what, I don't know, a few years ago. Um, and that you had a, a bourbon tasting, uh, event as part of your, um, well, your, your presidential year at IAFP, right? This is true. Yes. And, and I remember none of the bourbons that we tasted there. I don't know what, you know, what, what, like, I don't know. (laughs) I couldn't tell you. I knew going back to the time I would have said, oh yeah, I think, I think I would, if I went into a liquor store, I would buy like four roses or bullet. Those would be the two that I had go to. Mm-hmm. But now I'm, I'm on a whole different level now, but not as cl- like nowhere near where, where some of my friends are. Um, what's your, are you still, are you still drinking bourbon? What, what what's your, I, what's your favorites? No, I, I don't, I don't think I even have any bourbon in the house. Um, I do have uh, a Welsh whiskey that was gifted mm. by a friend of the show, uh, David, but um, I'm not, I've not been uh, making much progress on finishing that. I'm really more all about the wine these days, uh, but I will say uh, certainly Four Roses is one of my favorites. That Four Roses yellow label is a cheap and dependable and good quality uh, bourbon. Um, I don't like Buffalo trace. I've, I've, I taste like it has a trace of Buffalo in it and not the good tasting part. Um, so I don't like, I don't like that. Um, I do, uh, angel envy is quite good. Actually, uh, friend of the show, uh, Todd white, uh, had a, has a wonderful bourbon collection or he did at the time I visited him in California when they lived out there. And I tried some really nice, uh, bourbons with, uh, with Wendy and Todd when we visited them. Um, but yeah, I'm not, uh, I'm, I'm not, I could have gone all in on, on bourbon, but, uh, instead I think I've gone all in on, on, uh, on wine. So, uh, but I, I do appreciate a good bourbon now and again. Um, yeah. but, uh, but yeah, not, I'm probably after, after visiting nine distilleries, uh, you're probably more an expert than I am now. Oh, oh I, I feel it's, it was really interesting. Nine tours. So, mm-hmm. so here's how this, here's how this all started. I have a friend, um, who won a lottery from Buffalo Trace to go to the Buffalo Trace distillery 
and select a barrel of Blanton's, which is one of Buffalo Trace's. Um, I like it's it's some it's not an, an expensive bourbon at retail price. It's like a um, I don't know fifty five or sixty dollar bottle, but it is it it is uh, scarce it, in some states. Right. It's hard to get. Right. Um, so on the secondary market or in p- private liquor store states, which I don't live in one, it mm-hmm. is um, it might be an expensive bottle. But so right. my friend Justin won this lottery um, and was able to. Uh, so 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 my I, another friend and I were walking around and he's like, hey, I don't I don't understand what we've won here. And we because we were part of this group. Right. So right. so five, uh, six of us got to go to the distillery to select a barrel that would then be bottled and sent to a, a, a an ABC store here in North Carolina of our choice that we won the right to purchase it. That's the, that, right. That okay. is, yes, that is the lottery, right? Like, like we hmm. didn't, we didn't win. We didn't win, uh, um, you know, uh, 220 bottles of bourbon. We won the, the right to purchase 220 bottles uh, but it, in the, which is a very odd lottery, right? Like when you when well, you kind of think about I, it, I understand. But you get you did get a tour. You got to pick it out. Yes. They're going to send it to the liquor store that 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 you specify. It could be a thing where you could just let all your friends know, and well, you know, because to get those two hundred and twenty bottles, that's kind of cool. It is, and that's exactly what the what what the thing is, right? And so we we had a uh, almost a three hour tour and tasting at Buffalo Trace, just us and a um, a, a guy who has worked in lot. He's uh, on there on the Buffalo Trace taste panel, so he uh, tastes um, sometimes uh, maybe. Uh, he, he said like uh, on the biggest day, seven hundred and fifty uh, samples of uh of buffalo trace uh or buffalo trace products on most days he said it's in between like 50 and 100 um Mm. and and he's uh he's one of he said i think it's 15 there uh there are 30 trained tasters and he is and they do 15 at a time when they're when they're tasting um uh so wait 15 tasters tasters. yeah so so you got to be one of the first 15 that sign up for it but it's part of it's a job like it's mm. uh he he is a part of his job is tasting part of his job is helping others select barrels as a taster and then he also does these vip tours his name is will he was mm. awesome mm. so um he uh so anyway we spent two and a half hours with will went through like uh, the history but then also got into the fermentation and so i i, I posted something on instagram of one of the nine distillery tours, which was fermentation. I saw fermentation happen at, at nine different distilleries and it's all about the same. And it was really interesting hearing it described. This is what I want to talk about. Not the bourbon side of things, but like here, like tour guides talk about what's happening with yeast fermentation and then see how it's done in lots of different places which is pretty much the same you you grind up a bunch of corn if you're making bourbon because it's got to be a you know 51 corn and then you add either um you know some other um grains and it's usually rye and uh barley sometimes there's wheat mixed in or substituted for the rye you know it, it depends on 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 what it is but there's always a lot of corn and then it's it gets cooked and sits in a vat um, and yeast is added and it just, oh, you know, it's open there for sometimes like 
three days, sometimes seven days. It depends on the distillery, but it all basically looks the same. And, and at each one of the distilleries, except for the first one, uh, which was Woodford reserve, um, I, I stuck my finger uh, into the into the mash, into the fermentation, uh, mm. to taste it. Yeah, and it, in some of them, there it's encouraged, but it's like people. So this is what I wanted to talk about. The my my people, you know, the five people who are not in the world of food safety, look at me mm. and they're like, "Should we be doing this? Like, are we going to contaminate this?" <laughs> right. And I'm like, "Oh, don't worry about it. Like, like they're gonna yeah. they're gonna distill this at least twice, which means they're gonna heat it up in steam. Any right. of the contamination right. that we're gonna put in is gonna either get boiled off or killed, and they're gonna collect all the alcohol. Like that's the process. Yeah. Um. Yeah. But it was really interesting, like to hear people say. Um. The most common thing that I I thought made me snicker a little bit was about half the distillery tours. Um. The tour guides referred to strands of yeast not hmm. strains strands 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 i mispronounce things all the time so hmm. so i i am no 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 shade or or lemonade but it was it was really interesting to hear them talk about well we we have a um a proprietary yeast strand and i'm like i think you mean i didn't say that but i, I thought they meant yeah. strains strain um, yeah yeah so um uh, but then, then my my friends wanted me to to really jump in and and start to ask about like what 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 strain of Saccharomyces was it? What do we know about genetics? Because they they thought it was hilarious that they would have a microbiologist um, on the on the tour with them or someone who at least plays a microbiologist on podcasts. Um, <laughs> so, but yeah, I mean, it was really I, I, it was a cool it was a cool thing. So I spent a lot of time this weekend on fermentation, um, and uh, I tasted. Uh, Oh gosh, probably 40, maybe more, maybe, maybe 50 different bourbons this, this weekend. Um, yeah, cool. And, and drank, like I was, I was prepared like for this, like I probably consumed 30 gallons of water this weekend. Like I am, I was not, I would, you know, knowing that I was going to go to three different, uh, distilleries and taste four or five different bourbons at each one of these. And then, you know, probably buy some and then have a drink here or there. I was like, I will not be, I will not get drunk and I will not be hungover. So I was, I was like, I was very well hydrated, which is not right, something I would right. have done 10 years ago. I would have been, right. pro- I probably wouldn't have made it out of distillery number three. So, <laughs> yeah. So that was my weekend. It was fun. And there was a lot of fermentation. Um, uh, yeah. Um, so, okay. So bourbon and fermentation, that was on my list risk of contamination and fermentation vats that was on my list mm-hmm. um okay let's do this one a little bit later because i want to get to something else here in a second okay so so we can go two ways here okay this is choose your mm-hmm. own adventure don oh excellent i love these do you want to talk about risk of neck lacerations or what pathogen are you Okay. Usually in the choose your own adventure, <clears throat> you have some sense of yep. what it is that you're doing. Um, uh, so neck, can you tell me more about neck yeah. lacerations? Yeah. So, so there's a real um, tragic uh, situation that happened in the world of hockey last week where um, a, a freak accident happened on the ice where a hockey player in, in Europe um, got cut on his neck during while playing a game 
uh and uh and lost so much blood that that he ended up dying and and passing away Ooh. and yeah and i i wanted to talk to you about this like like i i've been i've been following this and it's really analogous to what we do in in food safety uh around risk and risk reduction hmm. um so so i mean that's the, the, the that's kind of the the setup um his name was uh adam um, Adam Johnson, and I'm not going to, I'm not going to link to the video, um, at all. Uh, it's like, it's, it's not, it's not, we're, yeah, we don't, that's not the kind of show we are, um, because there, there are YouTube videos out there on this, but, um, but I will send you a link, uh, to Adam Johnson's Wikipedia page. So this, this happened, um, a couple of weeks ago and, it has led to a real push for neck protection in hockey. And I'll send you a couple of pictures of my kids um, right, right now. So you can see almost. So when I was growing up in Canada, neck guards were required uh, to, to play uh, youth hockey. And when, when I started coaching, like, and, and truthfully, as I got older, it was the first piece of equipment that I removed from my protective wear. Um, hmm. And there's a bunch of research that goes back into the um, like into the 90s, 80s and 90s that that demonstrates that wearing neck protection can um, uh, restrict your neck movement, your like your cervical movement. Mm -hmm. So the protection protects from cuts but it it doesn't allow for you to turn your head um like and and i know it's it sounds crazy but it's like a it's like a band that goes around that's that's tight and so it's certainly uncomfortable but that's not the big reason why i removed it it I, i'm more concerned about being able to turn my neck really quickly and especially as i got into playing contact hockey that um i needed to know who was coming and whether i was going to get hit and that was like it, it restricted that that movement and so yeah. so so people and you know uh youth hockey before contact they um they required it once you started playing contact you could remove it um and then i i never wore it again and, and when we moved here to play hockey and my kids were growing up uh there's no requirement for for neck protection laceration protection but this um this event one event has led mm -hmm. to sort of a resurgence of of this and the USA hockey which is the governing body of of hockey um has sent out and I'm going to send you a couple of links here they sent out a message basically saying we recommend neck protection but we, we we're not going we still are not going to require it because the research on neck protection demonstrates that it is um, can reduce the risk of, uh, of laceration, but it does also increase the, um, it, it decreases your cervical movement um, for, for head turning. And right. it's a really interesting spot to be in, right? Like, and, and I, I, like, I, I, I have revisited this and in fact, spent some time last week looking at Google scholar for research on neck laceration protection and it's a it's like a risk risk trade off where mm -hmm. um and I'll I'll send you a couple of papers that I that um that I've read recently around this but 
it 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 can reduce the risk of neck lacerations it says by 27% which is pretty that's a pretty good like reduction right well, uh, it, de- it depends on what you're, I mean, it depends what you're talking about, right? If, if we're talking yeah. about microbiological risk, it's right. got to be 90%, right? It's got to be one log reduction or it doesn't really matter. Um, certainly a 27% reduction in risk of, again, risk of what? Of, of dying, risk of getting, well, it's, you know, getting, a neck, getting a cut on your neck. I mean, you know, it matters what the risk it is that we're talking about, but certainly 27% if it's if it's statistically significant is is good i would take that right yeah yeah well and it's and but, that's i mean that is exactly the conundrum here right it isn't right. a risk of dying it's a risk of um a uh a, um uh a risk of a cut and the vast majority of cuts are superficial i just sent you in a um uh, a report yep. that the USA hockey conducted, this goes back to 2009. Um, there were 26,000 respondents to a survey. Um, about half players currently wear neck protection. Um, almost 2% have sustained a neck laceration. Uh, interviews with 33 injured players established that lacerations were superficial. Uh, 20% required bandaging. 11 were sutured, two were glued. So the, the, the catastrophic Adam Johnson neck example, like you leading to a death is, is, is really, really, really rare. Mm-hmm. And um, so I, I sent you the two kind of like trade-offs yep. here, right? I also sent yep. you the like of, of like how, how um, influence of neck laceration protectors on cervical range of motion. Right. And, and this is, I, I am like, and I'm the, you know, of the two of us, I'm risk averse, right? I'm I'm pretty mm-hmm. risk averse. Not I shouldn't say that. You're risk averse too, but I'm a little bit more. I have not pulled the trigger on requiring my kid to other my kids to wear neck protection because the the research that I've looked at could it could reduce this likelihood of the cut. But I'm but currently I'm more worried about the cervical range of emotion. And so I don't know. I right. don't know what to like. Well, I, I'm no, and it, yeah, yeah, and it. It, yeah, for sure. It's a risk-risk trade-off and it depends on the risk of what, right? Like if if most if if the Adam Johnson type of neck laceration is it's certainly a catastrophic event, but obviously if this was happening every week, yeah, totally in youth hockey, if kids were bleeding out on the ice and dying every week, well, then we would do something about it, right? So it is a it is a rare event. It sounds like from what you said, most of the lacerations are superficial. And so I I'm hoping, let's I mean, again, hopefully the if you wear something that's gonna protect against ne- I'd be interested to know what's the rate of neck la- neck lacerations of people who wear versus don't wear uh protection right um right. and well, and what what actually what is it doing to reduce that but then i'd also like to see um you know relationship like like again it's a little bit it's once removed to talk about cervical range of motion but i i guess if you had a large enough body of of neck uh laceration protector wearers and non-wearers You'd have to do it. It'd be a tough case control study. You'd have to match people, but you'd want to know, okay, yes, I'm wearing, I'm reducing my chance of neck laceration by 27%, but I'm increasing my chance of getting blindsided by 30% or 50%. Yes. Um, and getting blindsided has these health consequences, right? 
Um, and, yeah. And just, I mean, just yeah. to show you, and I, you can tell me what the current state of the art is. I still remember when I was a kid going to watch uh, Cornell play hockey and uh, a lot of it, I don't know, maybe it's the, it was in the pros where people weren't required to wear helmets. Right, 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 right. Yeah. And do they, are, is everybody wearing helmets these days in hockey or not? Yeah, everybody's wearing helmets these days. Okay. Um, I, I would say that um that head traumatic head or brain injuries um from a concussion standpoint is is a much more common situation. In fact, mm-hmm. one of the players on my team is uh we, we on on the one of the teams that I coach right now, um, we've had two uh kids already this year suffer um uh, concussions. Mm-hmm. And um and one of them is currently out. And what, and the other one was my kid. <laughs> so, oh, so, so, and, and, um, but the, I, what I thought was really interesting, again, this is why I wanted to bring it to you to talk about, because this, this one, it is a, it's a risk question, right? Like it is. Right. It, uh, so, so I, and I don't have the data on in front of me on, on your question about like, what's the likelihood of, um, you know, traumatic brain injury or, or concussion or head contact, um, uh, or whatever that, that could be reduced by having a free neck and no cervical constriction. Um, like I think there's, I, there's probably data out there on that, but the, what I thought was really instructive here is in the one paper that I showed you, which I think is the one that is pretty like seminal that people are pointing to that goes back to 2009 or like the biggest survey of, right. um, of, of hockey players of the, like, whatever, what was the, um, you know, uh, 26,000 respondents of USA hockey, um, a two, 2%, 485 have sustained a neck laceration. I can right. tell you like in the, I coach I'm on the ice. So, and, and I would say like, not in games, like, I, I think that you could sustain a neck laceration in a practice just as easily as a game and maybe even more sure. because of the, the things that we're doing in, in practices. Um, my, my, the teams that I coach are on the ice, um, a uh, hundred to 125 times a year. And, um, and so on, and I've been coaching and again, I'm, I'm N equals one, right. But just to give you a right. scale, right. Like we're, we're, let, let's say I have been, I have either been on the ice coaching or my teams have been practicing, or I've been on the bench, um, uh, coaching for, um, uh, a thousand, maybe 1200, um, you know, times over the last six years. And then my, like, then me, I'm playing, um, uh, 120 times a year. Right. Like, so I'm, I'm on the ice a lot. Let's, let's say, yeah. let, let's say in the last decade, 3000 times, 4,000 times. Right. Right. I've never, never once seen a la- neck laceration. So, hmm. so it's, it's not, um, you know, like it's not a real common thing. Now I've seen facial lacerations. I've seen arms. I've seen like the like lacerations happen. Um, right. but I've seen way more, like I, I, I have, I have seen 15, maybe 20 concussions happen. Um, right. that, that like, so, so I think the, in the, for me, the risk risk, and this is where USA hockey, I think is coming from is right. th- this is a risky game. Right. Yeah. And what we're yeah. trying to do is reduce risk. And you're you're trying to trade off laceration versus head contact risk. And and right. so so they, you know, um, 
So uh, the last thing I sent you was was something that I wanted to read from where this kind of stands here. The, uh, this is a uh, something that came out over over last weekend. Uh, at its meeting today, the USA Hockey Board of Directors unanimously voted to request the USA Hockey Safety and Protective Equipment Committee to begin the process of recommending potential rule changes regarding neck laceration protection. The intention of this effort is to advance the solutions that best serve all of our members. But but they're they so so similar to NACMIF, and this is why I wanted to talk about it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's really analogous, right? Like it's right. It's, hey, we're we are asking. A committee to look at this to actually go in and and the last time we looked at this was a decade ago or longer let's look at all the new information that has happened all the new research that's out there to see whether we need a rule change we still recommend that people wear this protector yep. that covers as much as the neck but as as a required rule that becomes a forced risk risk trade-off right um in this in right. this such a situation so anyway um, I just wanted to like I I thought I, I've not talked to anybody about this. I've been following it. The folks that I'm around in the world of in, in, you know in, in youth hockey are we're all kind of aware that this is happening. But I I like you're I you right now Don t- today based on what I see out there, you're not going to see my either of my kids wear neck protection. Um, because I'm more concerned about their ability to turn their heads so they don't get hit. <laughs> Um, right, right. Yeah. But what, but I will say in all of this analysis, there isn't that that's that study that right. looks at that, right? Like what Not we don't, we we do know that as it says here that that current neck neck laceration protector designs do not eliminate the risk. But you know that's a re- eliminating a risk is is a is a it's a straw yeah. man, right? Like nothing exactly. Like seatbelts don't eliminate risk, but boy, they sure do make it much less likely that you're going to go through the windshield in the event of a car accident, right? So right. we're not. It's focusing on elimination of risk is 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 foolish, right? What we should be looking at is what's the magnitude of the risk reduction, and like you said, what's the trade off, right? So what are what are the consequences of wearing neck laceration protectors? on other aspects of risk that's that's the piece i think that's missing i mean i granted yes. the the you know the 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 neck laceration article is 2009 so it's got a little bit of age on it it's a big study but you know it would be good to and i'm sure the technology changes right and it's yeah i mean i mean probably worth doing another follow-up survey um uh but also yeah what are the what are the consequences what are the negative consequences of of um of this laceration protection but yeah it's uh yeah it's a fascinating interesting interesting times yeah yeah Yeah, and it's and, and i like I, I kind of thought about when you and I started getting into the world of uh, of COVID, right? Like we're not we're not um, respiratory virus um, experts, but I'm pretty I'm pretty good at understanding risk, right? Like, and so to be able to jump into the limited amount of literature that's out there on this, I feel like I, I feel like USA Hockey is kind of doing it the right thing in their due diligence of not having a knee jerk reaction to to this. And and it's a like it's a terrible situation. And there's a there are some old again. If if listeners want and they're interested in sort of gory videos, there is a, a a an NHL goaltender Clint Millarchuk who had a very um like scary neck laceration um probably 25 years ago that I remember from from when I was growing up that was all over Sports Center and. Um, and, and, and like, there's, you know, you can see these catastrophic, catastrophic risk events, but 
it's I don't know. It's one of these things where I I I appreciate that the um that the hockey world is interested in research, right? Like like right. and that that I feel I feel pretty comfortable looking at like hey they've they've here are the reasons why we're making this decision and we are going to com- like we're going to convene this committee to to let's let's dig into the research again and see if and maybe commission that work that you're talking about um to understand better on what we should what we should be doing but anyway i just thought that this is one of the few times where my life crosses over and the my my hobby and my family crosses into the world of risk and food safety and i was like man this is really it was interesting to to follow this for the last couple of weeks so i don't know what will happen yeah. i'll yeah i'll update you yeah. next year after this all happens meets and, <laughs> and what yeah what they do yeah but yeah. yeah, and you know, and again, we're not we're not um, um, epidemiologists. We're not no. medical experts, but you know what? We do. That's a world that we are we are not unfamiliar with, right? And we can read right. the literature, and I can understand statistics, and we can talk about risk risk trade offs. So I think, yeah, it's um, it's 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 going to be interesting to watch and and see what happens. And of course, and of course, we never. It's the same thing with food safety risk assessment. We never have full and complete information, right? We're always making decisions based on the data that we have. And always wanting more data to help make better decisions, and and yeah, in the meantime, um, the the U.S. Uh, uh, Hockey Board of Directors is gonna is gonna move this forward. So that's good. Yeah, it's it's cool to it's cool to see. Um, so, mm-hmm. all right, there we go. Thank you, thank you for indulging my my risk uh, conversation. Yeah, uh, I think that okay. was a better one to do first before we decide what pathogen yeah. we are. <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly. So, so what? So, 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 Tom, what? If you had to guess, what pathogen are you? I don't know, Ben. This is a stupid internet thing, and a bunch of you did it. I resisted the temptation <laughs> to do it because I think it would be more fun to do it here on the podcast. So, yeah. if you if you send me the link, Ben, oh, we will. And again, it's not about what what pathogen we want to be. No. Okay? Because it's everyone knows Linda wants to be salmonella, right? But it's about and again, let's let's find out how silly this survey is and whether yeah. it actually makes any sense. And so we're, we'll link to the BuzzFeed article um uh about what what which food core food net pathogen are you? That's a weird way to write that. So bizarre, right? right. So so what what do I, so I have to so so the I guess I have to pick what's my ideal date is is first. Yeah, what's right? your ideal date? Yeah, that's where we start. Right. So so I'm wonder, I'm yeah. gonna answer these questions honestly. I am too. Um. All right. And you but you've already done this, right? Yeah. I'm gonna do it again, and I think I'll, okay. I, hopefully I get the same answers. I was kind of ran through it quickly, but um, I, do we want to read them all out? On, on uh, yeah, well, here. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I, I want to take this seriously, Ben, because this is at least as serious as neck laceration. So, what is your ideal date? Sharing a shrimp cocktail on a beach at sunset, taking a cooking masterclass on artisanal sausage, spending all day in the garden, champagne charcuterie in a charming movie, a spontaneous day trip to Mexico, taking your dog to a dog park, going to a petting zoo, grilling a couple of burgers and going on a boat or going to a pick your own berry farm. Well, I've only done some of these as a date. Um, None of them sound like an ideal date, (laughs) to be honest. Yeah, no, none of these Um, are an ideal date. Right. Um, You know, I've I've probably got it narrowed down to the dog park or the berry farm. Oh, Um, interesting. Yeah, right. I think I think I'm gonna go to the on the berry farm one just because that's a thing that I've done and it's not too disagreeable. Yeah, so, I, there you go. 
so so mine was b- between the taking a cooking masterclass on uh, artisanal sausage mm-hmm. um and then champagne charcuterie in a charming movie because i'm okay. a i like uh like I like uh, fancy food and I like watching movies. So, so that's anyway, that's I'm, I'm, I'm picking that one again. That's yeah, what I did I, last time. Yeah. And, and, and champagne charcuterie in a charming movie. That's not bad. I should, I should have probably put that higher up on my, on my list. Um, yeah, but whatever. I, I, I picked the one that I picked. All right. The next one is choose your favorite animal. Yeah. Monkeys, see. cows, dogs, pigs, chicken, birds, ducks, oysters, none. I hate animals. What's well, gotta be dogs for me. It's no not even close. That one. Yeah, yeah. Me too. Um, no, it wasn't even close. How long does it take you to get ready in the morning? Uh, Roll out of bed and I'm good to go. Maybe five minutes. As long as it takes me to make a cup of coffee, I can't leave without eating a good breakfast. Got to get my morning workout and shower. Have to watch at least an hour of news. My skincare routine is 12 steps long, so you do the math. Didn't get to bed till 3 a.m. Just grateful to be up at all. Way too long. I'll just call in sick. Um, I would... I would say I am, I have become a, uh, can't leave without a good breakfast person. I don't have to do that, but that's my routine is I, I do, I do like to start the day with a good breakfast. So I'm going to, I'm going to pick a good breakfast. So I, my, I picked and I will do it again here is I have to watch at least an hour of news before I'm awake. That's my <laughs> that's ideal not me at all. Yeah. That is my ideal, right? Like I need, I, but it's not how I have to operate now. I gotta, right. I, I got, I got kids to get to school but i will say yeah, during yeah. the summer that's that's how i roll right um right what kind of music do you like so this okay. one's classical yeah. country the beach boys which is not a kind of music like i just want to point out the beach boys is a band <laughs> um death metal <laughs> top 40 hits latin pop anything jimmy buffett kids also bop. not not a not a not a musical kind of no. music it's a a person as an artist yeah and then and then indie rock and um I, yeah. so yeah i picked none of, none of these are one. correct but i will choose indie rock as being the closest yeah yep um and exactly and and i'm like how did this like why do we not have like first of all where's rap where's hip hop um <laughs> where where's edm and and in fact right. i don't even know what i would have chosen the the closest thing in yeah. fact the only thing that i would describe that i do like that would be on my top 5 is indie rock so Right, um, right. Yeah. How about anything by the Grateful Dead? Right. Where, right where, where's yeah. reggae music on this list? Where's reggae? Right. Yeah. Um, where's uh, where's uh, Led Zeppelin? You know, like, come on. <laughs> okay. Right. 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 Um. All right. Next one. How do your friends describe you? Homebody, wannabe, hipster, beach bum, cyber bully, travel vlogger, horse girl, drama queen, surfer dude, girl boss. Oh God. Um. Can I tell you what I know? Sure. I- I went with wannabe hipster because I think that's probably what some of my friends think I am. Right. And th- none of these really fit, right? Like there was, right. I, I, so that was the, that was the closest one. Yeah. It's between wannabe hipster and homebody. I'm going to, just to be different, I'm going to pick homebody. All right. What's your favorite color? White, purple, yellow, orange, pink, brown, teal, blue, or green. I don't know. See, I would have gone with blue, but the uh, teal is also very nice. I think I'm gonna go. I'm gonna mix it up. I'm gonna go with teal. Oh, teal's good. I went blue. Um. Uh, uh What famous person would you want to have dinner with? Jason oh, Momoa. Yeah. He's not a famous person. You're um, gonna be very Diego Rivera and Frida Kahlo, Nikita Khrushchev, Don Philip Sousa, George Patton, Jerry Stiller, Tom Brady. Oh, definitely Jerry Stiller. I was thinking about Stiller and Miro just the other day. Oh, yeah, well, I got to go with Jerry Stiller. See, 
I none of like truthfully, I, I would say no, none of the none. people on this yeah. list would make yeah would make my top one hundred or two hundred. Right. So I'm right. with Tom Brady. Oof. Um, I know, and I'm not I'm not proud about about any of this. <laughs> like I just you know I don't know. Um, yeah, only one you, on this list I would yeah would be Jerry Stiller. Yeah. yeah. What would you bring to a desert island? So a sewing kit and a round cookie tin and a run raisin ice cream. Like I don't, I, AI has got to be writing this, right? Like I don't even know yeah. how this works. A burn book from Mean Girls and a bottle of Svedka, a jar of homemade fermented kombucha and a ukulele, a GoPro and what rock climbing gear, a pina colada and a good book, a bucket hat and a snorkel, cowboy boots and your collection of essential oils, a puzzle, a cotton a puzzle and a cotton scented candle, body glitter. And something that would make you fail a drug test. Um, I think I went with pina colada and a good I, book. Yeah, I'm gonna go with pina. None of these are what no, I would do, but pina colada and a good book has got to be the closest. Yeah, yeah. Um, all right, and then this, I think this is the last one. Is what's your biggest strength? Yeah. Um, what did I do? Oh, what's one? your biggest strength? Can make a damn good strawberry daiquiri. Knows exactly when Mercury is in retrograde or what planet is harsh, planet is harshing your vibe. Knows the hottest gossip at all times. XOXO will bail you out of prison at 4 a.m. Good shoulder to cry on. More reliable than a Nokia phone. Always game for a new adventure. Endless wisdom from your time around the block. Always has the best catchphrase like there she blows. Oh God! What the hell? I don't know. This is well, these are idiotic. So let um, me tell you what I did on this. Okay. One. Yeah. I have bailed someone out of prison one time, <laughs> and that's what I picked. Okay. I figured that was the only thing on this list that that I could. Um. Yeah. I I like none of this other stuff I you know, went with. And so anyway, then, right. yeah. Well, I'm 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 gonna go with uh, more. I because I I I'm hoping I would bail out a friend out of prison at 4 a.m. I don't think you bail someone out of prison. I think you bail someone out of jail. Yeah, and prison, you don't get bail. But anyway, um, right. But I'm gonna choose Nokia phone because uh, yeah. Oh, okay. Why not? Um. Okay. And then what? Did, all right. So what did you get? I am shigatoxin producing E. coli. Uh so am it I. is you. You are the drama. You think you're edgy for posting Sylvia Plath quotes on Facebook with the caption, nobody understands me. But actually, a lot of people understand you. No one really knows what, what to do with you when you're in a bad mood. If someone says the wrong thing to you, you might just make things 1,000% worse. Maybe turning to your burn book isn't the best side hustle uh, H with HUS, hemolytic hey, remix syndrome. Uh capitalized okay so all right Oof. so this is this is all flawed right so you and i we yes. just said we we picked a lot of different things i also was shigatoxin producing e coli um so so don't even bother doing this it's just gonna <laughs> randomly pick something for you <laughs> also this is the weirdest thing right so this like the that last line this is what i wanted to talk to you about maybe turning yeah. to your burn book isn't the best side hus hustle Nowhere in this BuzzFeed article does it talk about like HUS. Like you and I know what that means. Yeah. How would anybody yeah. else know this? Yeah. This is stupid. Yeah, this this is very stupid. But hey, you know, it got us to sit on BuzzFeed for however long and talk about it. And probably we're going to uh, drive other people to this. Yeah. Well, I don't know. Which food core, food net pathogen are you? Like someone must. And this it says like this came from the community. Do you think that this just add a lot? Add 
Adeline Lee 54 hasn't been in, made published posts, meet a post, join two trophies, one post. Maybe this is maybe someone from like uh food net actually made this for like a joke. Oh yeah. So it says at the top, this post has not been vetted or endorsed by Bud Buzzfeed's editorial staff. Buzzfeed community is a place where anyone can create a post or quiz. And then there's a link to try making your own. Someone did this. Someone made this. Yeah, I bet someone you it was made like this. a food net, food net, food core meeting. Food core, food maybe. net meeting. Could, could yeah. be. Yeah, could be. Could, could be. So maybe that's why the H2S part like works, right? Everybody who got this knows what it means. Yeah. Ugh. All right. Well, there we did it. Um, we saved we saved it for the show, sort of. Uh okay. So I got a couple other things that I want to get to. And I know you put sure. some stuff in the yep. in the thing. We only have about, I would say, 15 minutes. So okay. Um so uh it, we I didn't take any pictures of this, but I don't know if you saw that there was a recall of uh uh Tyson uh Dino Dino Nuggies. Do you see this? No. You know, we 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 talk about Dino Nuggies, right? We we've talked yeah. a little bit about this in, in the past. So uh Tyson had uh, uh 30,000 pounds of Dino chicken nuggets recalled. Um, and this is one that I find fascinating. Like this, the, I wish we could predict why some of these things make like national news and why some of them don't. Um, so slow news uh, week. Slow news week, but this was on like, but like there were other recalls this week and I guess it's because it's dino nuggies, right? Like it's in the yeah. na national vernacular um, yeah. that, or at least, uh, yeah. So anyway, uh, this is a product that I have every day in my house. Mm. Um, 100%. Now this one did not, we didn't have the, I checked. We did not have the, um, the lot numbers that were affected by this, but it was uh, recalled uh, for, um, I think it was uh, uh, metal pieces. Yeah, metal pieces. metal pieces. Yep. Yep. Um, so I'm looking at the New York Times article. It says uh, federal regulators said one quote minor oral injury close quote had been reported. So metal pieces and one person was injured. Yeah. So here's the best part about this. Do you know who I heard about this recall from? Somebody at hockey? <laughs> no. Well, I mean, technically, yes. Um, my 15 year old Dino Nuggy eating eating child, son. Good. Who Good. who learned who right? learned about it on TikTok. And said, oh. hey, we need to check whether we have any of these recalled foods. I eat these every day. Yes. Which, wow, right? Like that was, I thought that was kind of a, kind of a cool, kind of a cool thing. So anyway, he and I checked and um, I mean, at least the ones that we had on, on hand, we did not have any of the recalled products um, oh, and they were not distributed according to this article. They weren't distributed in North Carolina. Anyway, they're from Alabama, California, Illinois, Kentucky, Michigan, Ohio, Tennessee, Virginia, and Wisconsin. Um, so yeah. So Dino Nuggies, my, my kids checking for recalled products, which is great. Well, and uh, that actually makes a really nice segue, um, to, uh, to this next, um, thing that I want to talk about that I put in the Dropbox perfect. and let me open it up and I will send you a link. As soon as it gets opened, people love it when we do this on a podcast. So I'm going to put this link in here for you to look at. Um, uh, and yeah, I, apparently uh, TikTok is a place where people learn about food safety. And uh, TikTok is currently looking for a food safety and quality assurance manager. 
Oh, oh wow. How did this you is... find how did you get this? Who sent this to you? Did, did, did um, someone I why think do we... it came? I don't remember. Um, I it might have come from a listener, I think. Yeah. <sighs> this is amazing. Yeah. Okay. So I'm gonna read from this. This is an actual job. I thought when you put this in here, I know I didn't open it. I thought someone was utilizing TikTok to um find um uh, like uh for jobs like for a company that makes food and they want a food safety and quality assurance manager, right? Like I didn't know that this is to work at TikTok. Yeah, no, that's what yeah. it is. Oh, this is amazing. So uh, why join us? Uh, our platform if platform is built to help imaginations thrive. This is doubly true. Uh, teams that make TikTok possible. We inspire creativity, bring joy. Um, about the team, the food and beverage team at TikTok promotes best practices and support the business by elevating and creating unique employee and client food beverage experiences. So um, responsibilities, compliance, implement and enhance food safety, risk, quality and assurance standards, programs, policies, documentation, and procedures across regions with vendors and suppliers. Has a, like, is this, what would you do? Are you, what is know. this job? I don't job know. You're doing something. I mean, I, I, my thought was maybe this is a, a, a delayed reaction to uh, not pink slime, but yeah. um, pink, uh, pink sauce, right? This is it's ninety one thousand yeah. to one hundred and sixty thousand yeah, so dollars annually. It's a it's <laughs> a good job. <laughs> Might be. Yeah, they, they got a they got a good they got a health savings account. Man. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think it's for, again, uh, vendors and suppliers. Right. And so it's management audits. I do. You, I wonder if this is Who are like you auditing. Yeah. Do people does, does TikTok actually have like offices? Maybe you're running food safety and quality insurance for like the foods that are at the cafeteria at TikTok. That's, that I don't know what's happening. Weird. Yeah. This is. Someone please apply for this. We will link to this in yeah. show notes. Someone apply to this and tell us what this is. I want some. I want mm -hmm. someone who listens to our show to get this job. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, and so just to to close the loop on how I learned about it. Actually, it was not. Well, it might she might be a listener from the show, uh, but we have uh, there's a, a young woman who graduated with an undergrad degree um, from uh, Rutgers, and I think I can I can post this because she's got a LinkedIn page. Her name is Nicole Potenza. Um, and she right now uh, works for PepsiCo, um, uh, uh, but again is a yeah, gra graduate of our program, um, and uh, yeah is is out there working in the food industry and and obviously looking for jobs, you know thinking about changing jobs and uh, yeah and so uh, she just sent sent me uh, sent me um uh, this link and said hey have you seen this this is really weird and I said I agree <laughs> this is really that weird. is really weird so, all right yeah huh. Okay, thank you for yeah, I had not seen this. That's awesome. Yeah. Um all right. So a couple things I want to th this this episode uh that you're listening to will drop sometime before Thanksgiving, right? So that's uh, I, I I I that much I promise. So um I have you have you been talking to anybody about turkey this week? Oh yes. Oh yes. Yeah. Talking have about uh, th how can you thaw turkey safely at room yeah, temperature? I know that too. story hasn't come out yet, but there should be something in the Washington Post. Yes, um, uh, on yeah, this yeah, coming out soon, where Ben and soon. I have both quoted. Yeah, 
And so, so we behind, I want to pull back the curtain behind this one a little bit. Okay. Mm -hmm. Because you and I created a little bit of a stir and I, I don't know if you know that. Um, but, but we like, um, I think we talked on last episode just about talking to uh, a journalist who, who's doing this story because it's been a little, a little bit in the works. It's a, um, Lindsay Beaver is a journalist who I've been chatting with. Lindsay's also talked to, to folks that we know elsewhere, including folks at USDA. And, and what has been really interesting, like you and I talk about confusing messages that are contradictory, right? And I'm going to I'm, I'm just going to call one out that you can find. I'll, in fact, I saw an article on this this morning. Um, I think the Huffington Post had something about like, what are the top things you should never, ever do when you're, when, when you're uh, um, uh, making um, your Thanksgiving dinner? In fact, no, I will give you a better, better title for the article. The biggest Thanksgiving turkey mistakes, according to food safety experts. Dom, what do you think the biggest one on the list is? Throwing at room temperature? <laughs> uh-huh. Yeah. Right. <laughs> so here I'll send you the link to this. We'll put this in show notes. Um uh the um let me read it exactly. What else do you want to do? Don't wash your hands. Thawing a turkey anywhere but the fridge. That's the subhead. Anywhere but the fridge. Okay. So, so quote, you should never ever thaw the turkey or other foods on the counter thaw your turkey in the refrigerator said darren detweiler professor of food policy corporate social responsibility at northeastern university and author of food safety past present and predictions darren we know darren i totally mm -hmm. disagree with darren on this yep like yep. i and and in fact what i've loved about the washington post article that's that is soon to come out is that we jumped into this one this thawing question and i think it was like I, I spoke with Lindsay, a, 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 you know, two or three times about this. And she's like, I didn't know that this was where we're going, where like some people say never to do this. And you're saying to, that it's okay to do it. And so, but it's a little bit complicated. And she's like, and I talked to Don and he said, it's okay to do it. And I've talked to some other folks that are like, well, what about like, uh, you know, other pathogens? And she's like, this is, she said something that I loved and I didn't, I didn't stock to like prod anymore on this, but we talked last night about this. And she's like, this is more complicated than I thought. And I was like, <laughs> tell me about did you, it. Uh, yeah tell me about did you hear my did you hear my my buzz my my ding there i don't know if no you, oh of course because i probably have the setting that back, there's no background noise on anyway yeah it is more complicated this and i appreciated that she gave us space to get into the complication she's like i really just want to tell people what to do but i my editor wants me to kind of tackle this like usda says this and you as a food safety expert says this so why and so i gave her more information and i said how i and i think i think this year i will be thawing a turkey because um i i don't know like I, I think I'm, I think I'm committed now because I've talked so much about thawing. Most years I buy a, a, a raw, like a not a like a fresh turkey that's raw that's unfrozen because it's easier. But I think I'm gonna thaw one on the counter and I think I'm gonna document it um, a little bit. But I I told her I'll wrap it in either newspaper or, or uh, um, uh, tea towels. I think I'll, I'll use tea towels, put it in a tray, and then I'll check the temperature every couple hours to make sure it's not real hot because I disagree with Darren. I think. That if you tell people you should never ever thaw the turkey on the counter and they don't have space in their refrigerator, then what are they going to do? Right now, right. now you could be like our friend, um, 
uh, Pete Snyder, RIP Pete, who says you can cook from frozen. I totally agree with that. Um, mm-hmm. But I like to stuff a turkey and cook in a frozen turkey that is not pre-stuffed is hard to do. Mm-hmm. Like, because you've got to cook the stuffing on the outside. So anyway, um, yeah, I disagree. I disagree with all these messages. And so anyway, behind the scenes, pulling back the curtain a little bit. Don, I had a little conversation with our friends at USDA and I will not, I will protect the innocent, but I know some uh-huh. folks there. And I said, Hey, cause they called me and said, do you have any data that shows why we shouldn't thaw Turkey on the counter? And I said, no. And I'm like, I bet you, I know why you're asking. Have you been talking to? <laughs> and my contact at USDA said, yes. And I said, I'm sorry. <laughs> this is this is where it's coming from. So anyway, but it, like we the we arrive at something and again it comes down to risk messaging. It's it's easier to tell people not to do it on the counter because what I'm telling sure. people and what you're telling people is an option is a little more complicated. It involves some context. So anyway, I, I just wanted to highlight that 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 I I love like I love being in the mix on this. And the output is going to show a little bit of conflict between what we say and what others say, but it isn't like none of this stuff. There are no absolute answers, right? Even 165 is not an absolute answer. It's a, it's an easy endpoint cooking temperature, but it could be 155 for a whole time of five minutes or whatever, right? Like it's, it, 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 I like that the Washington post is allowing us to not just answer it like the the easiest way and that they get into the controversy. So looking forward to this article. Well, and and again, it gets even messier again, not to spoil too much of Lindsay's thunder, but we got to talking about um, 165 and, you know, she's like, well, let me check this quote. Uh, if you cook it to 165, that destroys um, all uh, or that removes all food poisoning risk. I'm like, well, no, because we got clostridium perfringens, right? Yes. And now we get a, had to go into a whole thing about, and it's like, well, you could fix the sentence if you just said vegetative bacteria, but now that's too complicated for people, right? And so uh, we could say, you know, and this, I think we ended up saying something like most or not, uh, oh. she said most, and I, would, I didn't like most, but many, many foodborne pathogens will be destroyed at 165. It's like, okay, I can live hey. with that many, but yeah. See, you know what? This is this is actually better. I had no idea that you were in on that because she and I talked about that after you and her talked about it. <laughs> and she's like, I talked to Don. I'm really confused. Yeah. Can you please? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And and so now we arrived at something. I'm gonna read this because I don't think it's a scoop. This is what the paragraph is gonna say. Um, at least when it was sent to her editor. Raw frozen turkeys can contain illness causing bacteria. Cooking the turkey until it's 165 as measured by a food thermometer in its deepest parts, will kill salmonella and campylopactor, two of the most concerning pathogens in raw turkeys. Some yep. spore-forming bacteria can survive the cooking process, but become a problem only if leftovers are mishandled. The idea yep. is to avoid increasing the number of pathogens during the thawing process, because the higher the number, the greater the risk of illness during mishaps, such as cross-contamination or undercooking the bird. So it's so funny, like you and I both helped her edit that. And I feel really good about where it got to um, with this. But she was like, so wait a second. How come these spore formers aren't a problem during thawing? Because you guys both said it's okay to do this on the counter. But now you're telling me that these spore formers can can survive the cooking process. And I was like, so now she and I got into like, and it's not going to make the article, but I'm like, because those spores need some heat to get activated, activated and yep. yeah, and 
in the raw, there's a lot of competing microbes. Yep. They're going to outcompete them. And she's like, I get it. I get it now. Like that microbiology, um, that whole lesson was, was cool, but she's like, this is not going in the, in the article, but I am Mm going to share with my editor and with another person who writes on food, why I got to this. So isn't that cool? Like this is, is, you know, and I mean, just props to Lindsay. She, she's done. I, I, you know, again, I haven't seen the the final, but just the the questions that she's asking, the clarification, the fact checking doesn't happen on a whole lot of articles to the same extent. And I really enjoyed like talking with her, but it was cool that you and I both like contributed to that, that paragraph. And now it feels like we're both happy with where it is right. Not getting into vegetative, but I was like, Hey, you should really throw in salmonella and Campylobacter. And then we can talk about Clostridium perfringens later on, but like put a little nugget in there that says about spore formers. Right. Right. Because yeah. you can't, again, it's, you know, the the journalists, well, and and, and anybody, even people at uh, FSIS trying to write for the general public are always trying to be as simple as possible. But you can't, you don't want to simplify something to the point where it's not scientifically correct anymore. And, you know, and again, I, you know, I apologize to Lindsay. It's like, look, I did not, I did not make the universe this complicated way. This is just the universe that we have. I'm sorry. And then we got to talking about uh, Staph aureus. And I think there's going to be a quote in there from Keith Snyder, where he talks about, you know, you can't leave it at room temperature for too long. And then it could, you know, if you, if you, if you, put staph aureus on the surface of a cooked turkey and then you temperature abuse it, then you can make a heat stable toxin. And we get it. We got into that a little bit. So it's obviously it's very, uh, there's a, there's a lot of nuance here. That's, that's just the world of microorganisms and how they cause disease. Right. Yeah, absolutely. This is, yeah, this was good. Anyway, I, I'm so glad, like, I do think it's funny that you and I touch a lot of these things, right? Like, like we're behind not and there's lots of people that are but are like this but i think that it's interesting that that we're giving similar perspectives on things and then it shapes to something that that we're happy with at the end right like, right yeah well and and i think honestly probably talking uh, on a regular basis with each other on this podcast helps us kind of file off the our rough edges of our ideas right because we each of us is trying to convince the other or or trying to you know s- state our opinion for the other um in a way that's clear that's still that's still scientifically accurate and i do want to say uh, we'll we'll go on record of long time ago back in december of 2020 um uh we talked about thawing poultry at room temperature and we both said uh, not risky and that also not reminded risky. me that i had a really nice uh twitter thread right around the same time um talking about the same thing which it all it's again it, all of it's there right the article by pete snyder and then the the article by lineweaver et al uh which is probably the most definitive study that uh, i i know of although it's kind of hard to find because it's published in food technology and, and you got to get a scan from a library but uh anyway um good good stuff and yeah it's probably it's probably worth it you know in both of us in our ample free time uh we should probably revisit that line weaver paper and and do do something similar that puts it into the more recent published literature but we probably don't have time no no we'll probably we'll just talk about it right Uh, um Anyway, uh, I think I got this this hard out coming up in a couple of minutes, so I think that's probably a show for today. Unless there was something yeah. pressing that you wanted to talk about, but we'll we, we'll do this again. We'll no, I got I got I got a phone call coming from uh, our friend Lindsay. I just it's oh. okay. I'll call her back. 
That's funny. <laughs> I talked I talked to her last night, so she's probably going to run stuff by you. So good. Yeah. Um. All right. Well. Uh, thanks. Thanks, Don. Bye. 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 my zoom oh i was like oh i got scared there i couldn't find my zoom because i'm on two Uh-oh. different computers no no we're in, it's recording it's good it's we're all good yeah. We're, it's yeah yeah we're good, we're good. um uh, all right so let's take a look at when we should meet again so next week's a bit of a wash i think with thanksgiving yep the week after um I could do like 1130 on Monday, the 27th of November. Sure. Uh, that, that sounds good. Yeah. Is that right? Uh, or 8 a.m. on Thursday, the 30th. Those are probably the two best. Would you say one? Th- what time? Would you say 1130? 1130 on the 27th. Yeah. Let me, let me just look at the Thursday. Uh, what time do you say on Thursday? Thursday would be like, um, early again, uh, like eight until 10. Yeah. I've got a meeting on campus, another campus at 10. So the Monday is definitely better. Okay. Let's do Monday. Perfect. All right. Um, I'm going to run to, uh, oh, I just called that FSN. We don't do FSN. We do FST. Uh, Okay. I'm going to go. All right. Sounds good. We'll talk to you later. Bye.